Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Self-Initiative Project Podcast. I'm your host, Jim O'Brien. Hey, hey, welcome back. Today, we're going to be talking about gun safety and specifically locking up your guns. If you're a gun owner, you need to have a secure way to lock up your firearms. And today, I've got my buddy Tom Kubinick with Secure It Defense on with us to talk about all things gun safe and gun security. Tom, how are you? I'm doing very well. And uh, I want to say thank you for having me on the show. No, thanks for doing this. I think it's going to be a good chat and an important chat, too. So hopefully we'll get some good information out there. So uh, before we get into our topic for today, uh, tell the people a little bit about yourself, your history, your background, who you are, what you do, and why you do it. Hi. Um, I've got Secure's primary business is designing and building weapon storage systems for the U.S. military. We do most of the armories, the SEAL teams. You do U.S. Army Special Forces. We do the expeditionary forces for the Marine Corps, and then we go into some rapid response teams, as well as doing law enforcement and uh, three-letter agencies with the federal government. We are the largest builder of military armories in the world. That it sounds impressive. It's a small niche market, um, and we own it. Sure. I've been doing that for about 20, about 20 years. Five years ago, we made the decision to go into the consumer market, um, and this is really driven twofold the main the main reason we were frustrated with our own ability to store guns at home and what was on the market and the, the options that were available to consumers secondly we had so many guys in the military coming to us saying can we buy your product for our home or like well it's really designed for an armory <laughs> right but we want that storage solution so we decided we need to make products for the consumer market and we launched that five years ago um Last year, we were in Inc. Magazine, one of the fastest growing companies in, in the country, you know, privately held companies. Sure. People got it. They're understanding it. They're seeing how, how we're different, why we're different, and the company's growing like crazy. That's awesome. So I have to ask, and if I'm not mistaken, I think I read or saw, and Seth may have mentioned something too as a sidebar note, you are or were a professional guitar player, at least at some point in your past life. <laughs> How is it you I, uh, came into gun safe <laughs> manufacturing? The uh, I graduated from high school. I did not go to college. I was a guitar player, and that's all I did. I played, played, played. I played in bands all over the East Coast. Yeah. Um, and this is I graduated in 1980. In 1984, Guitar Player Magazine did an article on me as um, one of the best unknown guitar players. <laughs> and I, that's, that's all I did, and it was, yeah. I was unsigned. I wasn't with a band. I sent a demo tape in, and they did an article on me. I moved to Los Angeles, lived in Hollywood, played with every, played with a bunch of people, um, did some instructional videos, and I was working so hard at it. I developed tendonitis in my arms. It was so bad that I yeah. actually had to stop playing yeah. professionally. And at the time, it was tough. Looking back at it, I really hated the industry. I didn't like. I liked playing, but I hated the music, the the the, the politics of the industry. Yeah. So I. I took a job in sales. Just the only thing I could do was telemarketing computer supplies to offices yeah. in this crummy little company. I worked there for a little bit. I switched to another company, and a year later, I quit and started a business in my apartment. My office was a cardboard box. I had a phone, and I'd get leads out of phone books calling people, selling computer supplies, and then buying them from wholesalers, and uh, just started building a business and built it up to about 20 sales reps. 
I sure. sold it to a partner, went off on my own, did the same thing again. And this was in the late 90s internet. Yep. And I started building websites and we started selling data security products, physical. We were locking up hard drives, locking up computer tape, and then locking up laptops and the HIPAA laws came out. Yeah. And my company, Greenline Data, became probably the largest company in the country selling laptop storage and laptop security products. Again, as a niche market, we weren't a real big company. And a guy called me and he said, hey, Tom, can you store an MP5? And I'm thinking computers. I'm like, sure. I go, what's an MP5? And he goes, it's a little machine gun. And I started laughing. I'm going, you know, I bet we could. And that he was with the FBI. And that was in 2001. And I started looking at weapon storage. I started looking at the military and started talking to some people I knew. And I realized military was transitioning from an M16 to an M4. Yep. A big, long, standard rifle to a smaller, modular weapon system. Sure. And the storage they had absolutely didn't work. So we set out to design a new weapon rack for the military, having never seen what they actually use. <laughs> and we, uh, it, there was a lot of research we did. We're a really small, we're a four person company. Yeah. And we kind of, say, but we kind of BS'd our way into a contract <laughs> with uh, U.S. Army Special Forces Command to do an assessment of all their armories and give them a report as to why their armories were failing. Yeah. And it was an 18-month contract. We've traveled all over the country. And during that contract, we had access to people that you don't normally get. So we toured the facilities, watched how they worked, interviewed the armors, and really dialed into what are the problems in weapon storage. During that whole process, we developed our tactical weapon storage platform, now called Cradle Grid. It's a very simple two-piece system. Hmm. And a few years later, we were the largest supplier to the U.S. military, um, they absolutely loved what we had to offer because it was, it was so simple. It's just, it's one moving part. It stores every weapon in a military armory from a small, like an MP5, small little submachine gun up to Mark 19s and 50 cal machine guns. Sure. And you know, one of the things we always say and it applies to the civilian market as well is if you got a junk drawer in your kitchen, <laughs> what do you keep in it? You keep a pair of pliers, a screwdriver, and maybe some duct tape, you keep the simplest tools yeah. because with those you can solve the most problems. And we did that with weapon storage. Our system is incredibly simple, it's very effective, and it properly holds firearms. Like we'll talk about the consumer market. It's, they're identical. What we sell to the consumer is the exact same product we sell to the military. Same it's thing. just in the cabinets are, are smaller. And you can go to our website and actually buy the military cabinets. They're just not practical for home use size wise. Sure. Our consumer products are smaller. Yeah. We we do not believe in big heavy gun safes. We think it's a real problem. It's a mistake. There's a lot of problems inherent with big gun safes. In fact, the US military, if I walked into an armory, I would they would not allow me to put a gun safe into a military armory because of the materials inside the safe. The materials inside a gun safe are quite corrosive. Mm. They're outside what they would even allow in. So our products are smaller, modular. You don't buy one big safe if you got a big collection. You buy three or four small lightweight safes so you can locate the safes throughout your home yep. in a in a manner that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was the the two things that I think that I like about Securit's <clears throat> approaches, the modularity if you will, as well as the it seemed to be you know, not in a bad way, but it seemed to be more, uh, 
lightweight. You know, it's 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 not easy cranking around a 450 plus pound safe in your house. And if you're in multiple story dwelling, you know, what floor can you safely put that bad boy on, even if you're in a crawl on a crawl space. Right. So I think there's some some uh, merit certainly to um, shedding some of that weight and it being modular, if nothing else, just allowing you to have different configurations and then having different safes in different part of your houses. Um, and, and I want us to talk about what you guys are doing at secure it certainly, but you know, in general, I think people hear often that they should have a gun safe at home. Um, and, you know, I'll admit, I don't know that my dad would be super happy about it, but I'll admit, you know, when when I came up, gun safes were not in people's houses necessarily, certainly weren't in mine. Um, I can remember the kid, the guns were put away or hidden, if you will, uh, to whatever degree they were. But we didn't have gun safes and we didn't keep them locked up. You know, a gun safe for us was hiding them somewhere. Right. Which is not a good approach. Yeah. Uh, now, all this time later, I'm guilty. I have, you know, two very large and in charge safes in my house at different places for different things. Um, but, you know. Why should a gun owner consider a safe and and lock up their firearms? I mean, I know that sounds like a silly question. It's kind of intentional, but it, it, it's kind of important, yeah? It is. It's, you know, when you look at actual statistics and data, I'm not going to crunch through all the numbers, but if anybody wants to, they're readily available by Googling FBI crime data. Yeah. If all guns were properly stored or properly secured in America, there would be a dramatically less incidence of accidental and even some, uh, we'll say on purpose, discharges of firearms. Sure. Um, you look at um, the, uh, what was the name, the kid in uh, <clears throat> Newtown, the shot all the kids. Yeah. He went into his mom's house, grabbed one of her guns, and shot her with it immediately. Yeah. Had her guns been locked, she would have had a, a few minutes at least to defuse the kid and, uh, and possibly get him off that cliff. But the other part of this is, and this is modern storage versus old traditional gun safe. Having a gun locked in a safe does not mean you can't get to it in under two seconds. And th that's what our product, we're all fast to access. Yeah. Our safes are considered, we call them ultra light gun safes. The gun safe industry, when it flourished in the seventies, that's when most of the, that's when the design, all the gun safes you sell now all have their origin back to early seventies. And that's yeah. when UL came up with the classification for a gun safe. And it's, if you look at UL, Underwriters Laboratory, they are the ones that do all the certifications that's driven by the insurance industry for safe. A gun safe is class RSC. It's on a sticker right on the door. UL class RSC. RSC stands for Residential Security Container. Mm. The word safe isn't even used because they don't meet the minimum performance. Mm. They're big and they're heavy because the industry believes that people will think big and heavy equals security. Yeah. It does not. The gauge of steel they use is the same gauge we use. What we don't do is fill ourselves safes full of drywall, carpeting, adhesives. All those products are all corrosive. We can go in there if you want to into the, into the, what actually is chemically going on inside a gun safe. We strip that all out. It's not getting you anything. Gun safes are not fireproof. There is no fire rating. Actually, UL is the only company that does actual fire ratings for the insurance industry. The fire ratings on gun safes are they're literally smoke and mirrors. Most companies make up their own ratings. If you're safe as a Chinese import, 
It's a liter- it's a sticker on the door. There is no testing. Actually, I went to China. We decided to go in the retail market. Yeah. We were going to make a safe. I went to China and toured facilities to learn more about safes. Speaking with the manufacturer's rep, I had a translator, and all the safes there were 60-minute safes. I think they were all stacked on safes. They had 60-minute rating stickers on the door. So I'm looking. I say, well, I'd like a nicer safe than this. Can you make a safe that's a 90-minute or a two-hour rating? Yeah. He said, absolutely. I can put any sticker on the door you want. I said, no, no, no. I mean, make the safe. Just, yeah, we just, cha- we just changed the sticker. So then I asked do you guys do any testing? And he didn't understand the question. It took a while to translate the concept of what I was talking about. He's like, no, we make these, and the Americans tell us what sticker to put on the door. Oh, wow. There yeah. is no testing, and gun safes yeah. don't survive fires. Talk to any, any, any fire, anybody, yeah. any fire chief. Um, so we eliminate all that. Our products are lightweight, easy to deal with. Um, most of our safes, our, our core safe, our agile safe is, is 100 pounds. Our answer, our bigger safes, about 175 to 200. Yeah. You can still move them with a hand truck. Yeah. Um, the average American now moves every 6.11 years, I think is the number. It keeps coming down. And the two things most left behind when people move is a jacuzzi and a gun safe. <laughs> a moving company will not touch a gun safe. They will, their insurance will not allow them to move or transport a gun safe. You need to hire separate company, a gun safe company to come in and pick it up, yeah. package it, a separate company to ship it, and with a gun safe local dealer to install it. You, you could be into $800, $1,200 easy. Yeah, they're not the easy. They're no, not easy. People don't do it. And, <clears throat> no. So people are learning now, and we're trying to get this education out that going lighter weight does not change your security rating. And when you look at actual gun safe and security, we've got some videos. I take a, my 1986-87 skill saw, an old circular saw, but I put a modern carbide blade in it. Yep. And I took a, a, a Fat Boy Junior, the big American made safe, big safe. And I cut it completely in half in a minute, 18 seconds. <laughs> then I cut, then I said, okay, if I wanted to go fast, I cut a 12 by 12 hole in the side in under 20 seconds. Yeah. It's not these safes are cheaply made. It's they were made to meet a threat level in the 1970s. Wow. The modern, the modern blades, modern carbide blades, cut through these things like butter so our product we're not thought proof but our products are smaller and modular and they allow you to store guns and secure guns in your home where it actually makes sense yep. and if you, you know, we can talk about that the, the fbi crime data how it actually paints a picture of how you should determine your home security plan yeah um so yeah, let, let's talk about traditional safes and all the hype and things. Because I, you know, I, I admit, and you know, I've already mentioned it. I I succumb to the bigger is beefier, and you know, you're only trying to, you're only limited by how much money you want to spend on one, right? And you know, I'm always yeah. looking for thicker gauge still. So let's talk about the major or the more. Uh, what at least the sellers make us think are the most important features and parts of a safe. So talking about steel gauge thickness, that's one that's kind of on my mind and, you know, um, thicker seems to be better. Right. And so you want a thicker gauge still than a thinner gauge still. What, what's the, it's it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I can run you through it real quick. Is that the, the data actually, you're absolutely correct on perception. But reality paints a very different picture. Hmm. Um, most gun safes are uh, 
anywhere from 11 to 14 gauge steel. The really heavy ones will go down to a quarter plate on the door. And that's plate steel. Now, yeah. a couple of things working here. When you look at big traditional gun states and look at the marketing brochures, when they talk about security, they focus everything on the door. And they'll have some of the states have like 15 different steel pins, corner pins, locking, all this, all this stuff designed. And they tell you there's no way to pry that door off. And you can't. Those states are completely pry proof. Mm-hmm. A professional thief does not touch the door. That's where the security is. You simply go to the side of the cabinet and cut it open with a modern saw. <laughs> now, at 14 gauge, at 14 gauge safe, I cut it like butter. But yeah. even if you go to a quarter inch plate, I'm cutting that. My cut rate through that quarter inch plate, I'm doing one foot of cutting in about 15 seconds. Yeah. Because the saw blades that I'm buying are they're available at Home Depot and they're designed to cut rebar, half inch thick rebar, all day long at job sites. Sure. And they yeah. cut. I mean, that's a half inch of steel, and they're going right through. Going it. Going right through it like hot or butter. Plate, yeah. Right in the heaviest safe. So the idea that a big heavy safe is security, no longer. A hundred years ago, big heavy safes couldn't be moved. And nobody knew how to cut them open. You need to sit there with a torch or dynamite. But nowadays, modern tools, just they just cut them open. And the safe industry has not addressed this, and they don't appear that they, that they want to. Yeah. They, they're just making the same product. Same thing. That's what everybody's used to. Yeah. I wonder if that's just because, you know, it's what the consumer has come to expect. You know, it's like it's been so planted and in, ingrained in our – um you know, our thought processes when it comes to comparing what safe do I want? What safe do I want to get? Cause you know, I, and again, I'm guilty of it too. And I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but, um, I've got a couple of different brands of safes. I won't mention which ones, but I've looked at some of the low end of one of the brands and it's basically really thin gauge steel. It's basically a rectangular box, right? That sits upright, obviously. And it's got really thin, like dare I say, car door steel, thin uh, walls, including the door. And then the door has a key lock, which has the little uh, finger behind. So, you you know, when you lock it, the finger doesn't allow the door to open. You know what I mean? Like they're just that yeah. simple. Um, so I can't get through my head that that's really all I need. So I think, you know, a lot of people think the same way that bigger and beefier and heavier is a better option, but it sounds like that's not the case. It's when you consider modern tools, it really isn't. And the other side of it is a big, heavy safe cannot be concealed. So no, somebody, that's know, true. I've seen brochures <laughs> for, gun, for gun safe companies, but you'll see where they show this beautiful safe with this incredible lettering, like Wild West look to it, the deep burgundy. And it's in a den with a stone fireplace, a yeah. pool table, big TV in the corner, yep. like a showpiece. Yep. I mean, you're talking about your guns. You're talking about a state. Yeah. It is crazy to advertise. This is where my stuff is. This, I'm walking in that house with a, with my little saw. Yep. And even I can go to a 20 volt DeWalt battery operated. Yeah. I'm going to cut a hole in cut it right through in it. 30 seconds. Yeah. So our products, what we promote is smaller modular states. Yeah. And then think about where you're going to put them. And, if, you know, the crime data is very simple. When a thief breaks into your house, he's going to master bathroom, master bedroom, mm-hmm. home office den, dining room, and he's typically out, he's out of the home at that point. Yep. Maybe he wants his drugs out of, out of the, out of the uh, main bathroom, then look for some valuables. 
Yeah. When you look at home storage, and we use the term decentralized storage, break mm-hmm. up the gun safe, master bedroom, one gun. If your wife shoots, you know, husband and wife, one gun apiece, no more in a secure, fast access safe. Yeah. Kitchen. I've got a big pantry. I've got a six gun cabinet, fast access in my pantry. It's also next to a back door of the house. I can exit the home and arm myself. Front hall closet. He's never looked in these closets. There's just coats in there. I've got a cabinet in there. I've got six guns. Now, I've got a big collection. So well, now, Tom, that you've mentioned there. that, now everyone's going to be looking there. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's just, they, it's, it's they're taking kind of, notes. They're moving so fast. <laughs> yeah. They're in and out of a house sure. in, in under 10 minutes. Yeah. In each one of my cabinets, I've got, I've got a lot of vintage, a lot of different guns, but there's also, I've got a pump shotgun. Without there was low in the magazine, nothing in the tube, nothing in the magazine. And I've got an AR-15 magazine in, ready to roll. Yeah. Those are my two defensive. In each location, the safest room in your house to store valuables and guns and everything. If you have a guest bedroom, have a bed in it with a nightstand. Bed is made, a piece of generic art in the wall, and nothing else in the room. A thief opens the door, guest room. He yeah. walks out. He doesn't spend any time in there. In the closet in that room, in our guest room, I've got an agile quad system. I've got twenty. 24 rifles in that in that room it's also at the end of a hallway in my house sure so in the, in in a home invasion you get to that room and i've got a hallway nobody's you know we're armed nobody's going to get to it yeah uh just kind of walking through some of these other pieces parts that get a lot of hype so um and i and i think this one's pretty straightforward hinges is one that i've heard and more recently i've read it's actually better to have the hinges outside the door than inside there's a lot of advantages to having it outside but in the past i've heard you know you want to keep those hinges inside the door what's all the hubbub about that i you know what it doesn't matter to me because i'm ignoring the door i'm a thief yep i'm ignoring the door i'm ignoring the, the hinges are thick I'm not going to deal with those. I'm, again, I'm going to cut open the back or I'm going to cut open the side of the safe. Yeah. Even the biggest, heaviest gun safe, if you lean on it, you can twist it. You can turn it 30, you know, 45 degrees and get to the side. Yeah. We've done it in our office, demonstrated with a big, big, heavy safe that you can just lean on it hard and rock it. You can slide them. Yeah. So, yeah, we ignore we ignore it. We have products with our internal. We have products that are external. We design our hinges for functionality. Um, you know, as long as – if you've got a long – like a piano hinge, you want to make sure it's pinned so you can't drive the center pin out. We have some external hinges, which are massive welded hinges. And truly, we use those because they look so good. We yeah. could have used a simpler hinge, but it just, it, it was, it's a beefy, beefy, heavy hinge. And it just, it, it just screams of like cool guy, mechanical. It's, it's a neat product. Yeah, yeah. And that's really why we chose it. But, I don't, I don't look at hinges other than, you know, if you got really flimsy hinges, the door could, that's not a security issue. That's your door breaking over time if the hinges are bad. Yep. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I get more worried about depth of safe than, than the hinge. Sure. Depth, depth of a safe is a real problem. Yeah. Uh, another big one that is talked about a lot, I know, with traditional safes uh, is the deadbolts or the pins, I think. Um, I'm not sure yep. uh, officially, but, um, you know, a lot of times the, the diameter of those deadbolts or pins are discussed. And then how many deadbolts are around the circumference of the door and, Correct. you know, five is better than two or whatever. What's what's the deal with the deadbolts? You know, it's it's interesting. Um our Agile system has four, but they're hardened steel. Most of the big safes don't have hardened steel pins. They're just, they're just metal 
tins. Aren't right some of them hollow? Most of them are. Yeah, yeah, most of them are hollow. Yeah. But when you're looking at shear load on the pins, it's the safe industry uses that to show beefiness and all. But the actual, when you look at the shear load, if you're actually trying to pry against those tins, those those pins, you don't need that much. I mean, the, the the shear load on metal like that is incredible. Mm-hmm. And if the pins actuate properly, having huge ones versus smaller ones doesn't make that big of a difference. The shear is so strong. Typically, they're talking about pry access. They're trying to block pry access. And yep. when they pry into a safe, they're bending the side of the safe, ultimately. Um, again, I'm a thief. I ignore the door. Not going through the That's door. That's where the security is. I cut, again, I'm going back to the side of the safe with a saw. Yep. If you want to truly secure heavy safe, you need a double-walled safe filled with concrete. We, we designed and made one and started and sold it briefly. We now we actually gave the design that sold to another distributor. It was too heavy for us. We didn't want to deal with it. We called it the true safe, and this thing was a tank. And the steel, you know, the, the cement composite destroys the steel blade, and a cement blade is destroyed by the by the steel. By the steel, so it yeah. Really wasn't secure, yeah. And it was quite fire resistant. We we ran an hour twenty minutes um, in a, in an oven. At fourteen hundred degrees, we didn't do a certification. We yeah. actually sent the an Excel spreadsheet with the actual fire data for the safe. Yeah. Um, but the the drywall steel safe, it doesn't matter what they do with the door. Yeah. The other problem with the door when they do the pins and hinges and all that is the weight of the door is going up, and those doors become very very heavy. Yeah. So when the safe door swings open, if the safe is empty, like in a store, yeah. it becomes a dangerous tip hazard. Yeah, it does. So that's one of the reasons <laughs> they make gun safes so deep. And depth in gun storage works against you. In fact, all of our safes are 15 inches deep. Yeah, you guys are shallow by comparison. In yeah. yeah, our safes are, when you open the safe, like my Agile 12, 12-gun 12 safe, the double door, again, it's designed to fit in a closet. You open both doors, 12 rifles, one arm, one gun. You open the door with one hand, you grab a rifle with the other hand, you close the door. Yeah. You're never laying guns on the ground. You're never digging through guns to get to the one you want. Yeah. You know, I, I take it back to a, a Navy SEAL or a special, a, a U.S. military sniper goes into combat, he gets his rifle, he goes in, he's got one shot to make. That optic has to be zeroed. It has the rifle has to perform perfectly. Yep. They use our system and our cradle grid system because the rifle will perform exactly as it did when you placed it into the storage container. Yeah, because it doesn't have twelve other rifles wrapped around it in a circle banging up against it. It's linear across the back of the box, right, or the front of the box, however you want to look at that. Yeah. I had a conversation with two of the. one was sales, one was product development for a U.S. safe manufacturer. This was when we first were going into it. We looked at partnering with safe manufacturers, and I spoke with these two gentlemen. We had a great conversation. I asked them about the interior of the safe, and they were very candid. And the interior of the safe, of a, of a like a you know big heavy gun safe, is designed to look good empty hmm. because that's how the safes are sold. When you go to a safe distributor, all the safes are empty. They light them up and they walk you through showing you the features and benefits and these interiors. And yep. they're beautiful, empty. Our states are designed to look good full of guns. Right. Our state, we, yep. At one point, we sold products through Bass Pro and Academy, and we didn't do well. We sold more on their websites than in their stores because side by side, when my safes are empty, it doesn't look like much, whereas a gun safe looks pretty impressive. However, when you actually go to put guns in it, 
gun safety is extremely limiting. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it really, if you've got multiple height guns, they're not going to fit. You know, the capacity of 30 gun safe will hold about a left gun. Uh, yeah. Don't I know it? Is, is, well, I yeah, mean, I mean, I, I bought big safes for the three guns that I have. I only have three. Uh, but I've heard bad things about, you know, uh, they actually don't hold the number of guns they're specified no, they're to not, hold. And they're not even close. <laughs> and uh, again, I asked, uh, I, uh, speaking with uh, one of the U.S. manufacturers, I asked them about capacity because they told me, I said, Tom, your system in our safe only holds 12 guns. My response was, because that's what your safe holds. That's, <laughs> that's what it holds. Yeah, it really does. And yeah. He, he said, no, that, that's, that's a 40-gun safe. He looks like I'm crazy. I go, There's, I go you're, we shot a video. This safe doesn't hold four guns. Good luck. You know, yeah. At, and he's, I said, capacity. I said, this is complete BS. And he said, almost a direct quote, he goes, well, capacity, that's our industry's little white lie. And yep. we all do it. We all know that if one guy says 30 and we say 32, we're going to sell a few more safes. Yep. It's yep. All, right there, I'm just like, you guys, yep. they're out of touch. Bogus. With consumers. And There's a couple more points that I want to talk through with you uh, before we talk more about your system and what you guys are doing, because we're already covering a lot of this just in the conversation we're having about typical safes. And, you know, I, the, the thing that I'm already taking away is the selling point of a traditional safe is the door. And thieves, real, thieves at least that know what they're doing, really don't even care about the door. But with that being said, um, Let's talk about locks. Uh, my dad and I have had this conversation in the past. You know, what's better, a traditional uh, combo lock, you know, with the roller on the front or the push button? And then when it comes to the electronic push buttons, you know, is are, is a UL-rated push button really all that important? I mean, a lot of these saves, to your point, are coming out of China, and we know kind of like what those electronics are at least some of the time. Does it really matter? But what's better, or is that a concern? Um, when you look at locking, it depends on the function of the unit you're buying. Like, if it's a mass storage of guns that you don't you don't care about ever getting to, a simple dial combination is cheap and they work. If you're looking at okay, I want to get to a gun for home defense. You look at the system. Everything that we make is fast access. If you got firearms in there, we want you if you're the if you're the authorized user yeah. to have two second access. We use push button electronic locks. And they're and with our fast box that goes under your bed, we tell everybody it's in the instruction, you mount it under your bed, a bolster bed frame. Every night you go to bed for the first thirty days, turn the light off, reach down in the dark, just do the combination by memory, by yeah. touch, you'll figure it out. Yeah. And open the safe and then close it and do it every and what you're doing, you're you're just like you practice at the range. Proprioception. Practicing. Yeah. Right. So like my fast box next to my bed, in total darkness and in total silence, I can open it remove AR-15 and be there behind my bed at the door in, I'm going to stay at the most two and a half seconds. Sure. It's you're so, you become so good at it. Yeah. And all of our products are like that. What we don't like is fingerprint locks. I don't recommend those for anybody, for any situation um, other than novelty. The fail rate on fingerprint readers is so bad. And if you've ever owned, we've got several states from other people in our that we play with and use. And yeah. if your hands are wet, they won't open. If your hands are dirty, they won't open. If yeah. you've got a cut on your finger, your band. I mean, they won't love, open. It won't open if you're buying us. If you're storing a firearm for home defense, for self defense, that's what we. I call it never fail equipment. So, are, are, if I were to translate. 
if I were to translate what I think I hear you're saying, are you saying biometric is a no-no in general? Yeah, I, we, 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 we wouldn't touch it. The military wouldn't touch it. Yeah. It, it just doesn't, it, it's a, it's a fizzy thing and you know, it's, it's a, it's a bright, shiny thing. It's it sexy. Was, yeah. It, it, it was new technology and people started using it cause it was kind of cool. But I think the industry is kind of moving away from that a little bit too. I'm, there's no people carry it, but there's no hype around it because everybody has one knows. Sometimes you got to swipe your finger there twenty times to get the darn thing to open. Yeah, it's a never fail piece of equipment. You can't if a guy's shooting at you, you can't be nuts around with it. Um, some of the other technology RFID is a new is a newer technology. That's where you have the little button tag, a little wristband or yep. something. Yeah. They work fine. They're very fast. The challenge with those is if your safe comes with two key fobs, four little tags, and a wristband, you now have seven items that you've got to secure because those items in the wrong hands grant access to a safe. If you've got Hornaday has that in one of their safes, and anybody that has the safe, you've got the little tag, paint them, do something with them. The tag says Hornaday Rapid Safe on it. So if you've got keys hanging in your house, the thief breaks in and they see this tag on your car keys, they now have the lock to the safe and they know you have they know you have a Hornaday safe. All they gotta do is go looking for it. Yeah. And they can open it. Yeah. So if you're gonna use that technology, you want to make sure the little tags are opaque. There's there's nothing on them. All it looks like is a disc. And no thief would ever think that there's something there. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's a really so good a, tip. Paint your, paint your stuff it's, so you don't know what it is. Sec- I'm looking at pure security here. Again, yeah. we've, I've built RFID systems for the military where they're using it to actually pair up guns to soldiers for asset tracking. That's what the technology was developed for. Um, in the case of gun safes, they're just using it to fire off a lock. And the military got into it, and they kind of moved away from it for, yeah. for all the reasons I talked about, the the different te- the, the complexity of it. Sure. You know, um, the last safety and home security. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <clears throat> no. Uh, uh, the last uh, point, which we've already talked about uh, quite a bit, is the fire um, uh, rating, but also the water resistance. You know, you see that a lot, and then they talk about how the foam, you know, wraps around the door when it gets hot or wet. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't know how all that works. But is there any merit to a safe being water resistant or waterproof? Um, the only reason for water resistant would be in a, in a pure big structure fire, they've got so much water going into the house that your basement floods. And now your safe that's in your basement, the big heavy safe, is sitting in three feet of water. Yeah. And water's getting into it. And I don't know. I've never seen, um, I've never seen a scenario where that was, a, I'm sure it's probably happened. I think it's pretty rare. When you actually look at fire ratings, I tell anybody who's really concerned, Call your fire department, give me your address, and they're going to tell you what their response time is. Right. Because they know it, because insurance companies require them to know. That's why insurance companies rate fire insurance policies. Yep. And if you live in, I live in a small town with a volunteer firefighting force. Yeah. 11 minutes to my house. Yeah. If you live in a city with a professional force, response time is three to five minutes. If you look at actual home fire, the rate of home fires is declining in America. It's been declining for the last 200 years. 90% of all home fires are occur in the kitchen and are contained within a pot or within the oven. Yeah. And when you look at actual damage, fire damage in homes, 
almost all of it is smoke damage. Actual heat damage is very rare. When it does occur, it's very isolated. Typically, the fire is out very quick. So the actual risk of your house burning to the ground is pretty very, slim. very low. Yeah. It is. Now, when you look at where that did happen, and you can Google this, California wildfires gun safe. If you Google that, there's several articles, and those fires went through California several years ago, about gun collections all being gone, because there's no instance that I saw anywhere in California where a state survived the fire, because they don't. Um, a fire rating is based on a static. They put a safe in an oven, and they bring the oven up to 1,200 degrees, and it sits there, and it cooks. Yeah. Well, if you're a baker and you use a convection oven, you know, it cuts your baking time down dramatically. In a true structure fire, roaring fire, the air is moving in that home. It can be whirling at 60, 70 miles an hour. It's a blast furnace. Yeah. And that safe in a static, non-moving That's a lot different. It transfers very slowly in air when it's not moving. It's like, you know, if you go out in the cold, it's zero and there's no wind at all. You're okay. The wind's blowing at 60 miles an hour. You're going to freeze to death in minutes. Yeah. It's the same thing with, with heat. And it's like a, and they cook these safes off literally in 10 minutes. It, I mean, it's not even close. So the, the whole fire rating on safe is, it is made up. And, um, UL does not issue a fire rating. I don't know of a gun safe sold in America that has an actual UL fire rating. Yeah. I've never seen one. There, you can buy a TL rated fire safe that could hold a gun, but it's not sold as a fire safe. It's about $12,000. They're sold to jewelry stores. Mm. And they are true fire rated safes, and they're very heavy. Yeah. It's just not practical. That's that's the bottom no, line for it, it, for the residential consumer. Yeah. It's it's not practical. Yeah, the best the best data and it was on um the I think it was truth about guns. One of the one of the sites that was a great article and they did a lot of research, and it came to the conclusion whether your gun your guns survive a fire if they're in a fire safe, a steel box, a wood case, or a glass cabinet has more to do with the nuance of how the fire burns. Yeah, it's the, all about the fire. The to which it's stored. Yeah, it, exactly. And they're so chaotic and they're so random that, I mean. Nothing laboratory about it, right? Where it's cheaper to buy insurance. Yeah. So, you know, we've talked about a lot of stuff and certainly the, you know, the benefits of what you guys are doing at Secure It. But it sounds like if I were to summarize what we've talked about is that, you know, the safe as we know it today, the typical gun safe um, as we know it today is kind of overhyped. And most of the hype seems to be focused around the door because that's the primary entry. So the marketeers, so to speak, have figured out that the consumer's interested with what's going on with the door. But to your point, you can just cut right in the side of that thing and take what you want if you know what you're doing and know that about safes. And after this podcast, folks will know what to do. But um, <laughs> but the, 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 the takeaway there is, too, is that, yes, big, heavy safes, like you mentioned, the double-walled with the composite concrete poured in there those types of safes have their place but they're probably going to be cost prohibitive for the average consumer and the weight you know 
means that you probably should have had your house built around the thing to start with. So there's some merit to more lightweight modular systems, which is where secure at defense comes into to play. Yeah, it's it's I mean lightweight is just lighter, faster, and you know the other piece is when you look at a gun safe, it's 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 static. It is a little thing of of wood covered in leather with little W's that the barrel set up. Yeah. Our system is also integrates gear and guns. I mean, the military went through this in 2000, during the Gulf War. The consumer market has been going through it, the integration of gear with firearms. If you're building an AR-15, you're going to have a lot of parts. You've got optics. You've got attachments. There's so much stuff in that comes with and around firearms now. Yeah. Our solution not just holds the gun, but also allows you to store a wide variety of gear. We call it three-dimensional storage. Um, in the military, and that's it's a very simple collection of bins and trays and just boxes that all snap into the rack that allow you to store just almost anything in these cabinets. And those bins and trays, you know, we sell them. You can buy them at Home Depot. It's not proprietary. You know, our system is extremely flexible. You know, you can buy a gun safe with our system. You're buying a tool that allows you to design the safe that you need allows you to build the interior out to meet your needs and change it at any time yeah i think that's the great thing about um i i do think that is the great thing about your system is the modularity and the flexibility that that modularity provides military but consumers as well right because um Speaking yeah, firsthand, right? Like I've got a lot of different things that I need to get in there and I want to be able to store this and that and configure it the way I want it and have it ready to go the way I want it. And so that modularity allows me to do that, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to spend a thousand, two thousand, twelve hundred dollars on, on something like that, why wouldn't you want flexibility? Why? I mean, it's like people buy car, you know, if you're buying a 1960s cars, the seats aren't adjustable. They don't do much. You know, you get what you get. Roll up windows. Yeah. SUV that seats fold <laughs> down and hold. I mean, it's so flexible, so modular. You can do so much with them. You know, the gun safe industry hasn't changed since 1975. Yeah. And they need to. And we're hoping that we can drive some drive some change um, within the industry because it's really it's gotten bad. Yeah. You know, the last piece that we haven't talked about is corrosion. And. Yeah, I wanted to it's talk amazing. to you about that. I had a question about that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the materials used in a gun safe, in the construction of a gun safe, most, a lot of them are banned from use in museums. We build a lot of systems for museums, archival storage of vintage and very old relic firearms. Yeah. A lot of the materials used inside a gun safe are banned from use. They're banned from use in military armory. I'll walk you real quick to science. It's, it's a... It's interesting. It's, it's pretty simple. Drywall is, is gypsum. It's mined. It's yep. full of pyrite that naturally occurs in gypsum. It's yep. always there. Chinese drywall has more pyrite than U.S., but it's always there. Pyrite is uh, uh, it's metallic. It's covered in a bacteria called ferrooxidant. Ferrooxidant bacteria live on pyrite, and they eat it. When they eat the pyrite, they release sulfurous and sulfuric acids and some salt. Well, that's that the, the byproduct of them eating that. That works really well so with uh, gunmetal, doesn't it? They are highly corrosive. 
Additionally, they use a rubberized adhesive that holds the carpeting on. It's an adhesive that stays packed, it stays soft, so it doesn't get brittle, so it doesn't the carpet doesn't like peel back over the years. Yeah, it's full of formaldehyde to keep it from molding. Mm. Formaldehyde is highly corrosive. Yep. Now, they sell millions of dollars of product every year to keep corrosion out of gun space. So it's it's all these different things to stop corrosion. If you've got a wooden, like my grandfather had a glass case in his den, he had rifles and there were old shotguns in there for 50 years, nothing corroded. If a gun is properly cleaned, properly cared for, it's not going to corrode. The insides of these safes, though, are, you know, we call it the toxic box. And I'll tell people if you're at a store (laughs) that sells gun safes and a safe hasn't been opened in a little while, have them open it or open the door and just put your, as it opens, put your nose in there. Yeah. You'll smell a hint of sulfur. That yeah. is the process happening. If you've got a brand new safe in your house, keep it closed for a week and a half. Open it up and smell. You're going to smell a little bit of sulfur. That's sulfuric, sulfurous acids. I would recommend if you've got a new safe, open that safe every two or three days and air it out. Let it, Let it air out. Yeah. Over the course of, you know, three to four years, that dissipates, but it never goes away. Bacteria converting pyrite can go on for 30 years. Yeah. And the bacteria also, at some point, can actually attack the metal. That same ferrooxidant bacteria is used in the mining industry to strip metal from low-grade ore. Yeah. It's, it's part of the mining process. I, I think you, again, you... Go ahead. Sorry. Does it, the, the industry... There's other products out there. There's, you don't need to use this stuff. But they do because it's cheap. Yeah, I was going to say and it's probably the cheapest and most convenient. So they they are of the mindset that Americans want the cheapest gun safe they can get that looks cool, hmm. and we're telling them no, they don't. No, no, they want something that actually works. Yeah. and our sales numbers support that we're correct on that. People want flexibility. Yeah, people want to buy a product that they opened up when they set it up. They can configure it to hold their specific guns in a manner where their scopes are free and clear. Nothing is hitting. Everything works perfectly. You can remove and place a gun in the safe in a half a second. Yeah. And then if you buy another rifle, if you change things around, you go in, no tools required, and just reconfigure it. Yeah. It's a flexibility is what people want nowadays. Yeah, and I think you know what you guys are doing <clears throat> with your lighter weight approach and your modularity makes a lot of sense. Um, and you know. The whole corrosion thing is interesting to me because I I don't want to judge the rest of the population by how I think, because that would be a big mistake. But um, I don't know that that many people ever consider or think about the corrosion resistance a safe should provide for their firearms that they're storing in it. Because I'm also going to go out on the limb and I won't say most, but I will say I think unfortunately that a lot of people that own firearms in general probably keep them stored for longer periods of time that they use them than they use them and not that those chemicals are so powerful in there that your gun's going to rust overnight or corrode overnight but in the long term because those safes are you know built to last it is a heavy duty metal piece chunk of 
you know, box containment system, you know, you're, you're probably going to pass that down, right. Or give it to someone else or even sell it off. Right. So, you know, not that guns are going to sit in there long enough to be affected, but they could. And I don't know that anybody's thinking about it from that angle. Uh, I tell you that for me though, and I think a lot of folks, the one thing that does come up talking about, and I think it's safe to put it in the corrosion space topic, um, is the whole idea of moisture and getting rid of the moisture in your safe. And, you know, I'm obsessed with the little silicon beads and taking those out and plugging them in my outlets every few weeks and drying them out to put them back in there only for them to last another week or three. And so, you know, I do think there's merit in removing moisture out of there. Um, and I noticed that Securit has because of their modularity and your ability to hang things up on the back wall in the safe that you kind of have an open if i've looked at the safes right they're kind of open at least on the back portion what, what do you deal with or how do you uh spin the whole moisture concern um yeah the agile product line is back the back is fully vented our answer lines are they're vented cabinets. Everything we do is, is vented in some way, so you've got ammunition there to cook off safely. Sure. Um, but the, the moisture issue for most of America isn't, isn't, if the gun is properly cleaned and oiled, our humidity isn't high enough to cause an issue. Unless, I mean, the problem with moisture is in a traditional gun safe, because of the pyrite, the sulfuric acid, sulfurous, the, the formaldehyde, those chemicals require moisture. Corrosion is an electrical process. Yes, if you look at actual corrosion, the rusting is an electrical process. Those, those acids, those materials, salts, they promote it. They promote that reaction. I mean, a battery is acid. That's what it, that's, you know, to, to make a, a car battery. Yeah. It's the same thing. You do need a little bit of moisture to fire off, get that electrical reaction. That's why the push to get rid of moisture is so critical. Our states have no chemicals like that in whatsoever. There's no, I mean, if the humidity level in your house is up a little bit, not going to affect your gun. If you live in a real swamp with 95% humidity. (laughs) Well, you know, Georgia is known for being like Cambodia in the summer sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) In that case, though, but again, in the military, now they'll, they'll run a dehumidifier in an armory. But they're also, they clean and oil the guns properly, and that's how they store them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's a good so point, too. You make their just... Properly clean and oil. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say, that's a really good point, Tom, and, and I've said that many times before. You know, it's not only a great idea just in the general care of your firearms, but from a safety perspective, too, you should be cleaning and oil, properly lubricating, uh, um, you know, your CLP, whatever you opt to use on your firearms. You should be cleaning them and storing them clean, certainly. So that's a good point there. Absolutely. And if you are going to do a product in a safe, they have those sticks that they heat up the safe. I would recommend get a get desiccant packs. A desiccant pack actually absorbs the moisture and holds it. Yeah. When you put a heat rod in a safe, what you're doing is you're warming up the safe. So the humidity, which the term is relative humidity, as yeah. you increase the temperature of the safe, you're lowering the relative humidity. That's humidity relative to temperature. Yeah. You're not actually reducing the moisture in the safe at all. You're just raising the temperature of the state so the relative humidity number drops. 
the moisture's still there. It, now, it does slow the reaction, rust yeah. reaction. It does. But you still have the moisture. You're much better off, to, and they're cheap, is to buy desiccant packs. They sell them in the, in the Ziploc thing that is completely sealed. You pull two packs out, put it in your safe. You know, every month, change them. Change them and out. They actually draw the moisture out yeah. and eliminate the moisture, not just raise the temperature and kind of hide it. Well, talking um, about the carpet and the glue and whatever else is in there, yeah. to, and, and I'm no chemist, so I can't you know, speak to what happens. But to me, heating up that environment doesn't seem like it would be a good thing and might actually accelerate some of those things, putting off whatever it, they're putting it, off, it, right? You you were paying attention in chemistry. A chemistry <laughs> class, it does. It's, um, that those reactions are increased. However, also getting a relative humidity, it's kind of a yin-yang. Um, yeah. If you've got corrosion already happening, and you know how it is like a car, like, once corrosion stops, rust never sleeps. It's that line in the song. But once corrosion starts and the electrical process starts, the right environment, it can accelerate and move very, very quickly. It's it's, uh, it's like, you know, one bad apple from the, you know, that's rotting in a bunch of apples. It spoils all of them. Yep. Rust kind of does the same thing. It, it can. It, there are scientists that will argue, well, it has to go through these steps, but a yeah. rusting environment accelerates and uh so if you've got a traditional gun safe that's the compact get rid of it open the door a lot let it vent out and if people just properly clean their guns and check them you know it's, it's one of the problems with the deep safe is it's hard to get to the guns in the back quite often you got your two or three favorite range guns well next thing you know eight years has gone by and you've never touched the guns in the back yeah and that's a problem yeah. you know we storm in one row for the reason of you're, you're all you're, right there yeah, and you can check them. And just a bolt action, I just pull the bolt, the lever action, I'll drop the lever, and I expect the end of the barrel. And you just, there's points where guns will start to corrode first. And that's, you just check those points. Yeah. And uh, it, 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 it shouldn't be something we have to talk about. Yeah. But the industry, in a drive to sell perception and not sell an actual product that works, is has gotten to this point for low cost, and high volume that they're producing a product that actually is damaging to the firearms. So the very thing they're supposed to secure, they're, they're actually, again, the military would not allow us to use any of these materials in yeah. armor yeah. because they are corrosive. Yeah. So I think the biggest takeaway for me, and we've talked about a lot of points, and this has been good because it's certainly dispelled a lot of things that, again, I've I've been guilty of, of myself, and I'm sure a lot of other safe owners out there have been as well, is that you need to lock up your firearms as a responsible firearm owner, regardless of what you choose or how you choose the method that you choose to lock up your firearm, you need to be locking them up. That's to keep your children pr protected. That's to keep those that don't know what they're doing and don't have any business uh, with firearms away from yours. And that's to keep, you know, at the end of the day, if someone breaks into your house, that's to make things a little, at least slow them down, making it a little bit more challenging. But the point of it is yeah. as a responsible firearm, firearm owner we need to be locking our stuff up um so tom this has been a great chat um how how can people learn more and find out about you guys um the website is secureitgunstorage.com if they just google secure it all one word um, yep. they'll find us we're all over the web 
We've got a pretty big digital footprint. And then we've got a military site, Secure at Defense. And then the, the consumer site is Secure at Gun Storage. If you end up on the military site, well, any military stuff, there is a link that ties you back to the consumer products. That's All good. the military products are available on our retail site um, for people who want, if they want that look of a true military armory and storage. <laughs> um, you've got a pretty good gun collection yeah, in yeah. that system. Yeah, yeah. We do sell a lot of them to the consumer market. Sure. Well, this has been great, Tom. I appreciate your time and uh, in informing the audience what they need to know and consider about safes. Hopefully, dispels some myths maybe along the way as well, and give folks some so. uh, better options as well. So, I appreciate you doing yeah, this. Yeah, I hope that the industry will step up and start making some of the changes that we're pushing for because. Again, the, the goal here is to make the American consumer, the American gun owner, the safest he can be and to put him in a position to defend his family in the, in the event of a crisis. Absolutely. And that should be the core focus of these products. And it's not. We're trying to change that. Yeah, it's great. And, and, you know, just in our conversation, I'm starting to rethink a lot of things when it comes to securing my firearms. So this has been good and I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Well, thank you very much. I, I've enjoyed being on the show. 